Well, good morning. And thanks again for being here. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you, my name's Tim, and I get the privilege of being the lead pastor. And we're so glad to have you here at Shepherd's Gate, especially all of you that are here to honor these kids and to recognize what it is that God is doing in their lives. So we're so glad to have you here right after the service uh, in our fellowship hall. We have cookies and refreshments, and we hope that you'll have a chance to stick around uh, so we can just thank you in person as well. As well as those of you that are joining us via live stream, we know there's so many of you that are out there doing that, so we're glad that you guys can tune in with us today. Uh, we've been on this journey the month of May. Month of May is a big month for us here at Shepherd's Gate, and it's really just an opportunity for us to have celebration after celebration after celebration, which is a good thing, right? Right? And so we started off, actually, the first uh, Sunday of May in uh, recognizing our first communion. Oops, I went too fast. Starting our first communion students, and we looked at community and how God actually calls us to community. Uh, if you were here last week for Mother's Day, we got to hear from our new family director, Trisha Mayhew, and the journey that God has had her on. And I would just encourage you, if you weren't able to be here uh, last week, I would encourage you, make sure you go online and you listen to that uh, for a couple different reasons. One, it helps you to get to know uh, one of our newest full-time staff members really well, but also just the, the powerful impact uh, that her testimony has had on so many lives. And those of you who are here will agree with me with that, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. And then today we're going to look at this whole concept of commitment. And that God actually calls us to commitment. And so when you hear that word commitment, what is it that comes to your mind? What are the commitments that you have in your life right now? What are you committed to? Does anybody know? Nobody. <laughs> if I had you, have you turn to the person next to you, you're going to be able to come up with something? Go ahead and turn to the person next to you and tell them what you think your, your biggest commitments are. What are the things you're committed to most? Go ahead and do that right now. See, commitments aren't a bad thing, right? Commitments are a good thing, and we have lots of commitments. If you're in a marriage, hopefully you're committed to your spouse. If you have a family, hopefully you're committed to your family. Those of you that are guests, obviously you're committed because you're here today uh, to, as part of uh, honoring these students. Uh, maybe God has called you to commit to a church, so you're a member at a local church. Maybe you serve at a nonprofit. There's all these different things out there. There's all these different commitments that we make in our lives and it's really interesting because so often what happens, and it's so easy to do this, is that we sign up and we begin to do all of these things that we think are really good for us. And, and they are. They're all good things. But slowly but surely what ends up happening is we become overcommitted. And, and all of a sudden we start experiencing burnout, right? And, and we, we become agitated and we become frustrated because we're like, why, why all of a sudden you know, am I not sleeping? And why is it that I can't keep all of these plates spinning? And why is my life always out of control? And we go back and we look. And again, it's not that all these things that we are part of are bad. It's just that we're in balance. We're just trying to take on too much and we're trying to figure out how to balance our lives. And so what I would want to ask you first off this morning is this, what really is your life mission at the end of the day, what, is, what really honestly matters? When you look at all the commitments that you have in your life, if you had to whittle them all down to the, just the two or the three most important things in your life right now, what are those things? See, I believe that in order to understand commitment, we have to know how to prioritize our lives. Think about that. 
So many people, right, they, they just run this crazy race and, and called life, and, and they're always trying to catch up. They're trying to, you know, put things into balance because they're imbalanced. And again, it's just a result of being overcommitted. Well, what if in order to live life at the highest level, we have to learn to focus, ready for this, multitaskers, on a few things rather than trying to engage everything? How does that sit with you this morning? Confirmation students, how does that sit with you this morning? Right? Wouldn't you like just to have a couple things to do and not everything to do? Right? Would you be willing to give up your video game unit, right, just to have some margin in life? No? How about homework? What if you need to give up homework? Would any of you sign up for that? You would? All seven. Good. Right? What about for you? In your life, what, what could you actually give up that you're just holding on to because you know you don't want to, but you could actually give up to create more margin, to focus on a few things? To be honest with you, this is what people keep telling me in my life, that I need to continue to let go of things, that I need to continue to step back, that I need to continue to stop having an opinion and just keep my mouth shut and allow things to unfold and focus on things that only I can do so that I can live life at the highest level, which is what God has called me to do. But not only for that purpose, but also to live my life in balance of what God has created and called me to do. So let me ask you again, at the end of the day, when you put your head on that pillow, what really is your life mission? And are you living that out? Are you living out what you know that God has called you to do? See, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture And it's a letter from a spiritual father to a spiritual son. The spiritual father, his name is Paul, and he's writing this letter to this young, up-and-coming pastor named Timothy. And it's the second letter that he writes him. And Paul's getting toward the end of his life. And so these words are really just encouragements to Timothy. They're they're these kind of final challenges to him to help him navigate life because he knows that his time on earth is short. His time's going to come to an end. And so he wants to give Timothy these words. And so we're going to look at this passage of Scripture together. It's actually found in 2 Timothy, uh, the first chapter. And there's chair Bibles actually right in front of you in the seats. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. And I would encourage you to grab one of the Bibles. And it's on page 995. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible... On behalf of our church, will you please take the Bible that you are now holding home with you today? Our church believes this is the greatest gift that we can give you, so please do that on behalf of our church. But page 995, 995, 2 Timothy chapter 1, begins this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Now think about this mentorship that he has with him, right? To Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Think about it. Don't be ashamed of God, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us, 
and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, because of his purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But listen to these words of Paul. I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard unto that day, the day that he would breathe his last breath, what has been entrusted to me. Verse 13, follow the pattern, Timothy. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What an incredible portion of Scripture. What, what an incredible opportunity for us to read this and to see how this actually even plays out in our lives today. You see, we believe that God inspired Paul to write these words. And just as Paul is depositing these words into Timothy, God is depositing these words into your heart and into my heart, into our lives today. What's really interesting is you go back to verse 9. It says this. It says that God saved us and called us. God is the one who gives us our faith. God is the one who comes to us. He has called us, and he has called us for a purpose and a plan. He has called you confirmation students for a purpose and a plan. He knows your future. He knows where, what life looks like you, for, uh, for you from this day forward. And not only has he saved you, not only has he called you, look at this, he continues to call you. In fact, it's a holy calling. The reason it's a holy calling is because it's from God. God continues to call you. And it's not because of your works. It's not because of things that you have done. It's not because you served or because you prayed or because you did this or that. What does the Bible say? Because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. Now think about this. Is, this is how you know you're not in control of the situation. Before the ages began. So before God created the earth, before God ever put Adam and Eve in the garden, he had a purpose and a plan for your life. And he knew that he would bring you to faith. He knew that he would call you and save you. But it doesn't stop there. God continues to call you. In fact, every single day when you wake up, every single morning, God is there with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he is calling you and he is equipping you and he is speaking to your heart and to your life. And sometimes we wake up and we think that we have our agendas and our plans for the day. And we do. And so the Holy Spirit is there to lead and to guide and equip us. And sometimes we actually listen to the Holy Spirit, right? Sometimes we actually do what he tells us to do. And oftentimes we don't do what he tells us to do. Oftentimes we get caught up in the distractions of life. Again, we get overcommitted and we lose focus on the things that actually matter. We lose focus on what our calling is and the purpose that God has put us on this planet for. And so he's telling Timothy in this passage, remember your calling Remember what it is that God has done for you. Remember the seed of faith that has been planted in your heart and in your life. God loves you. He saved you. He allowed either for you to be brought up in a Christian home, to be brought to the waters of baptism, or at some point in your life, for your life to intersect with someone that knew Jesus and you heard the gospel and God awakened faith in your heart and your life. That is an insane gift from God. He called you and he saved you and he continues to call you. Not only does he call us, but look at what he also says to Timothy in verse 13. He says this, follow 
the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. What is he telling them? Remember what it is that you have been taught. Confirmation students, I want you to think about this this morning. These last two years, grueling, right? Our confirmation seminars, grueling, aren't they? Not really, they're only on Saturday morning. You're supposed to say no, right? <laughs> we got together at the Saturday seminars. Pastor John and I were there. Tricia was there. Anna was there. We went over the material together, right? For the last two years, you have covered the entire small catechism, all six chief parts. You're all experts in Lutheran doctrine. Isn't that incredible? Think about what has been handed to you. Think about what it is that you know. And then you went home and you sat at your kitchen tables with your parents. And you opened up the small catechism, you opened up the Bible, more importantly, and you read scripture and you engaged and you talked about your faith. Think about what has been handed to you. If you might remember what we read at the beginning, think about this. What did Paul point out? He pointed back to Timothy's grandmother and he pointed back to Timothy's mother. And I want you to think about your life. Who is it that you point back to? Who is it that God used to bring you to this moment, to this place? And even as Anna had your parents stand today and as a congregation, we applauded them and we thanked them for being on this journey. Who it is today that you need to go and you need to hug and you need to look them in the eyes and say, thank you. Thank you for bringing me to this moment. Maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your grandparents, maybe it's spiritual aunts and uncles. Who is it that God has brought into your life to put this deposit into you that you would follow the pattern of what they spoke into you. And maybe this morning you're not a confirmation student. That would be the rest of you that are here this morning, right? But some of you, you did grow up in the church and you were confirmed. And I wonder how many of you remember your confirmation verse. Do you remember your confirmation verse? Those of you who are lucky enough to grow up in church, right? And you grew up maybe in a Catholic or a Lutheran setting. Or maybe you can look back and you can see the people that made deposits into you, people that invested in you, and you have the knowledge. Maybe it's been decades since you've been confirmed, right? And this still applies to you, that you remember what it is that you have been taught, and not that you just remember it, not that just, just you're able to call up all of this information or this doctrine, which is good, but that you're actually allowing it to impact your life. You know, so interesting this week as I was preparing for this message and, and I was looking at this passage of scripture and, and I looked at the world that we live in and just so often how society, man, especially in the area that we live in, Metro Detroit and the chaotic, you know, area that we live in and just so many things vying for our attention, so many distractions. And I just happened to be scrolling on Facebook and this news video showed up and how many of you, you're, you're avid news watchers, you like watching the news, right? Any of you? Right? If you don't watch the 6 o'clock news, nobody in your house is happy, right? How, you, you're just, no? Uh, maybe you watch it online like I do or you read newspapers. And I don't know how many of you saw this, but I want you to watch this video that I saw this week. Sportsless Sundays. The Archdiocese of Detroit is changing its policy when it comes to your children playing games on the Holy Day. The Archdiocese says the move is a renewed effort to reclaim Sunday as a day for worship rest and family time. So we want to know, do you agree with this new policy? Go to WDXYZ.com slash vote and weigh in for us. Meantime, 7 Action News reporter Brian Abel tells us what it means for kids and their sports schedules. Well, the Archdiocese says that this policy is not only a way for families to have a greater relationship with God, but with each other as well. So far, the reaction mixed. 
Roughly 13,500 athletes play in the Catholic Youth Organization or the Catholic High School League in Metro Detroit. Starting today, none of them will be playing on any fields on Sundays. This policy is saying we're going to give Sunday back to our families so that they can not have to choose between going to Mass and going to a game or practice and not have to choose between going to a game or practice and spending time as a family. Archdiocese of Detroit Archbishop Alan Vigneron pinning the new policy in a Wednesday pastoral note, writing in part, competitive athletic programs in the grade school and high school levels are called to no longer play games or conduct practices on the Lord's Day. In the months ahead, we will offer a number of resources to assist families in their own practice of keeping holy the Lord's Day. The immediate reaction mixed. In response to Twitter updates, one user tweeting, another example of how out of touch the church is with reality. Let's have a group of men without families or kids decide how we should spend our Sundays. Another, there are better ways to increase church attendance. And on Facebook, I think it is great. As a parent of three CYO athletes for the past five years, I could not be happier about this rule. The church acknowledging there will be some struggles ahead. Changing a culture, whether it's personally, in my family, in my workplace, in a city, is hard work and it takes a lot of time but we know we're going in the right direction. Now, I did talk with one Metro Detroit Catholic school teacher who says colleagues, they're frustrated, especially ones that have sports-oriented families because they believe that this policy change could lead to scheduling conflicts. Now, Father Pulis says ADs and other relevant school officials, they were made aware of this policy change nearly two years ago, so schools shouldn't be caught off guard. Reporting in Livonia, Brian Abel, 7 Action News. Now, true confession, just so you know, I mean, our Catholic friends, right, us Lutherans maybe got something to learn here from our Catholic friends down the street. Both of my boys have baseball games later today, all right? So if you've got sporting things going on, it just, it, I actually, when I saw this, I actually thought it was a hoax. And so I watched it again, and then I went on WXYZ's uh, website to make sure this wasn't just like some kind of April Fool's Day. Like, the church actually did this. Like, they actually own their influence, 13,500 students that they're a part of their Catholic school sports league. Think about that. And if there's one thing that I know about Catholics is they are very serious about their schools and they're very serious about their sports. In fact, I'm a graduate of De La Salle High School. My freshman year, my school won the state championship in soccer and in baseball and in bowling, all right? Like, this is like, I understand how serious sports are and for them, and, then, and they even gave them two years to prepare for this. And so we look at this and we look at like what it is that God has called us to. What is it that at the end of the day are the most important things in our lives? I'm allowing you to determine that this morning. What is it that we have put in front of what we know to be true, what we have learned from the past, and yet slowly over time we just kind of make concessions, we begin to do things differently. See, this is what he goes on to remind Timothy. He says, it's the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. And here's your challenge, Timothy, and to us today. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the faith. Think about this confirmation, students. Think about this congregation. Guard the faith that has been entrusted to you. This is a serious thing. This is an important thing. Your faith, your relationship with God, the devotion that you have to God, the commitment that you have to God is important. It's not something to be played with. In fact, we believe that you can lose your faith. 
You can get to a point where you begin to go on this slippery slope and pretty soon you begin walking away from the things of God. And I don't know why it is that God instituted the church, right? This was his idea. This wasn't pastors or priests or ideas. This whole idea was his idea, that we would come together and somehow one hour a week would be the reason he would want us to come together to worship, to be refreshed, to be able to pray, to hear his word, to be challenged and be able to go out and be able to face our week together. In fact, 93% of churches in America right now are in decline. 93%. And so there's all these experts that are going around trying to figure this out, and they're going around and they're actually interviewing people, think about this, that have left churches. And one of the things that they figured out, one of the data that they've come back with, that they said that decreased church attendance has not led one person to being further devoted to God. Isn't that incredible? Anybody that has decreased their church attendance has not once led to being more devoted to God. Why? Because we are never supposed to go through life alone. That we would be put in a church family, that we put in community together. And I'm so proud of you students and the commitment that you guys made and the words that you said today that you're going to continue this journey. And I know that we've been forcing you to come to church. Can we just call it that, right? It's, you know, it, I call it, it's called accountability, but it's called voluntary legalism. They've had to come 75% of the time. They didn't have a choice. They have little check marks. They had, and now, today, you're free. You're free. After today, no one's going to keep track of your church attendance. Maybe your parents, but not us anymore. Like, you're going to decide if you want to be, you're going to decide if you're going to continue on this journey in your faith, just like each and every one of us decide what it is that we're going to do with our life. But I want to go back to God, and I want you to look at how much God loves us, how much he continues to work in our life, because it's God that calls us to faith. It's God that's committed himself to us through Jesus Christ. He's all in. He's 100%, right? And it's God who has given us the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. Paul walked Timothy through that in this passage. All three of these, we have these incredible gifts that God has given us. Can you guess what I'm going to say next, church family? Can you guess what I'm going to say next? These three simple words. Have you heard that one before? Right? I can't wait until you tell me you're sick of hearing these three words. Own your influence, guard what has been entrusted to you, guard it. And so today, maybe this could be our challenge. Where do we need to recommit and reprioritize our life? You heard the student's commitment, these bold proclamations of faith and, and their commitment to God. Where is it that maybe we need to reprioritize or we need to realign and we need to figure this out in our own lives? And you know where it starts? It starts with us confessing it starts with us being honest about where we're at and the struggles that we have and handing it over to God and inviting God into the situation and allowing him to speak to our hearts and to our lives. And I also want to challenge you parents here in this room. Think about this. You only get your kids for a short period of time. You do. And the patterns that, that, that you display and, and the way that you lead your family has a profound impact on their lives. What is it that you're modeling for them? Grandparents, same thing. You have a profound impact. And I love that there's all this new research and data coming out about the, the impact of grandparents and even grandparents living close to their grandkids. Go online, Google it, you can read it. All of these experts are coming out about this. The impact that you have is amazing. Own it. Own it for the sake of these kids. Own it for the sake of the next generation. Own it so that we can pass on the baton of faith that we would lose none to what God has for their life. 
So I want to leave you with these encouraging words from Psalms. It says this, commit your way to the Lord. Commit to God. Trust in him. And here's his promise for you and me. He will act. He will show up in your life. He will do in your life what you can't do for yourself. And he will continue to call you and to work mightily in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace. God, we thank you for even the opportunity once again to open your word, to be reminded of the commitment that you have made to us, the promises that, that, that you have spoken over our lives, the, the way that you have, God, loved us before we were even born. And God, we know that you continue to call us today. And so will you help us in our lives to align our lives with your will, God, would you give us the courage and the strength to say no to the things we need to say no to? That, God, we would focus in our lives on what matters most. At the end of the day, when we put our heads on our pillows, God, what it is that you've called us to do, our life calling from you. So, God, we thank you that as we confess the things that, that we've gotten in the way, the things that we've allowed to distract us, that, God, you forgive us and that you hit the reset button and that, God, each and every day we can continue to follow you and do what it is that you have. So God, we just love you and we thank you and we pray continue to work in our hearts and our lives. It's in your son's most holy and precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen.